feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. Chris, Dom, a couple of comics who live here in Tucson. Uh, we're in the middle of a block episode right now. Uh, before we get started, though, I do want to say please follow all of our social medias. Uh, give us comments, likes. We recently got a bunch of uh, suggestions, which we're going to hop into. So uh, keep that going. And uh, yeah, without any delay, man, let's just get into it because this is going to be one hell of an episode. Oh, yeah, it is. And we're talking about possibly the greatest wrestler of all time. One of our all-time favorites. Macho Man, Randy Savage. Hell yes. Oh, I can't wait. We are in the block of uh, real athletes. Real wrestlers. If you will. Um, Just uh, people that have had sports experience before they went into pro wrestling like competitive sports like and yes. achieving levels that like a normal person shouldn't achieve and not, then moving on yeah you. not uh high school uh, you know what i mean they're not uncle rico i mean these there guys you go. Like, That's are exactly <laughs> these guys are on the doorstep of being professional like athletes yes so that's perfect uh, uh randy mario Pafo. yep born november 15th 1952 in columbus ohio his dad angelo was a professional wrestler yes. back in the day. Um, Lanny, his younger brother, also was a wrestler. And his mom, Judy, uh, she was an immigrant from family immigrants from Germany that left after a mustachioed man took power in the 30s. Yes, so, so. mom had quite an upbringing because she actually escaped uh, Germany as a J-O-O. <laughs> Cartman? You know what I'm saying? Keeping it light, people. Um, They were such wrestlers. His dad traveled everywhere that so much so that him and his brother actually were born in two different countries. Yeah. Not not cities. Countries. um, And I saw this thing where his mom just said, we just had to put down roots and like have like a normal because this was when they were like really kids and Mm -hmm. and they really like settled in uh, Illinois. Illinois. (laughs) He was uh, into sports very early. Oh, man. Um, and, and he was a very rambunctious kid. I was just going to say. Probably had ADHD, but not diagnosing it at the time. We'll see later because everybody was just like, he was a little OCD. And you're like, oh, yeah, they were kind of saying that when he was like in fifth grade. They were just like, he was very compulsive. Bouncing off the walls, too. Um, he was into sports, as I said before, and he was really good at basically all of them. They yes. said he didn't even have enough time for lady friends. Because he was into sports. Those were his ladies. That's one thing I don't believe, but that's all right. That's okay. (laughs) Sometimes they don't love you back, though, uh, as far as sports, you know? All right. (laughs) But his main sport was baseball. Yes. Baseball was his bread and butter. And he gets signed right out of high school to be a catcher outfielder. Pretty much prospect. Just an athlete. Yes. Because he was just a freak athlete. Yes. Um, signed by the Cardinals. Um, but while he was catching in the minor leagues, he injured his shoulder in a collision at home plate. And it was his throwing shoulder. And it was his right throwing shoulder, or as we call it in the biz, his jack and shoulder. His jack and shoulder. Hey, that's why I learned it. Talk about it in one of my bits. I know. Learn how to do it twice. I thought about you. you Not did. while I was 
I think you know what. Don't worry. Sometimes. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so, and this is the thing that you find that he was so, like we were saying, a freak athlete, and he was so young at this point where he literally was just like, I was a switch hitter, but you know what? I was also a switch thrower. Yeah. People were like, Wait, what? That's that not, is amazing. that's not a thing. Is that a thing? And he was like, Yeah, yeah. So I learned how to throw with my left hand, and I was still a viable prospect coming up but i saw something that like i think he was like trying out for the white Sox one time and they're like first baseman yeah he just looks weird and it wasn't that it was bad it would just it that was their only comment was it was just <laughs> it just looks weird and you're just like which is the dumbest thing ever do you know how bad the white Sox were at this point in time like you and need that's why bodies. they could have gotten they, <laughs> they could have gotten savage and they didn't they, they they went the opposite of savage i mean and that's what makes it sad it's like but you know, when one door closes, God opens a window. That's true. For some macho madness. It's and, true. I mean, oh boy, did when, he ever, because when, the White Sox cut him. And then, you know what? When God kills a cow, they make Slim Jims. I don't know. We're going to get into it. Um, cuts him, and then this is the, because he gets into the family business. Brother, yeah. brother already into it. Dad still doing the old-timey i mean if you ever seen the wrestler that is so accurate oh right to, playing super nintendo with the neighborhood kids in yes, a van exactly like, so like that's that's probably more accurate than you would ever imagine so he gets into the family biz yeah after four years of minor league baseball and i mean he was a viable player yes it's just had that injury not taken place who knows we we only might know randy poffo the all-star well i saw i think in his last triple a he he hit 250 and had like 16 home runs or so. you know what i mean where you were just kind of like oh yeah but they but he looked weird they look he looked weird but you, you know, know what? there's a venue for people who look weird yes that it's celebrated the family business that's right so he gets into wrestling with him and his uh father and they're kind of touring the midwest here a bit they haven't really established their own thing but they feel like they aren't getting pushed enough so like obviously like in these in these smaller like scenes like there's there's certain like favoritism being played and there's pockets there's pockets there's all over pockets. the country there's not like one unifying like wrestling league it's just a whole bunch of smaller and regional ones competing against each other yes so when his dad starts the uh intercontinental wrestling icw which is like an outlaw organization he's kind of salty that his sons aren't being pushed as far as you know how you know, good they are and what they can bring to wrestling. Rasslin. So they go into the Memphis territory. And this is where we get a little uh, heated. Yeah, and we do. I found this interesting because you see this later with like what the NWO does, but it's like fake. Mm-hmm. But what they were doing was because they were like obviously the second tier wrestling organization in memphis yeah and what he was doing what macho man was doing was actually challenging somebody from a different organization jerry lawler the king lawler the king who will come back later who is just there's i mean the spider webs in wrestling jesus christ god um but it was so interesting because uh jerry came out and he was just like yeah yeah, our boss told us to not even acknowledge them yeah and they're just gonna go away because that's what they wanted they wanted to like piggyback off of exactly because if they if they can get any sort of publicity yeah you know and like you said there are as many you know spider webs in here as a haunted house oh man it's wild it's absolutely insane but uh Eventually, the ICW ends up going away because they keep good, despite how hilarious it was with Macho Man calling out the king. Yes. Like, they eventually go away, but they're still in Memphis and they end up joining up with the 
top, I forget what it was, the Memphis wrestling organization yeah. that had Jerry Lawler. Mm-hmm. And they ended up, it was, it's kind of interesting because they like hyped this match to try and get their, the, the ICW kind of like to hype that up. It goes under, they end up having the match, but it's with the other organization. Exactly. It's like the other organization really saw, really thought that one through. They're like, yeah, yeah, keep hyping that up, yeah, guys. Keep hi- keep, you, can, you can spend all can of the it. rest of your money hyping this, and we'll just take in all the dollars. Yes. Like, they're losing their minds, and, and I'm <laughs> reaping all the benefits. God bless you, John Lovitz. Anyway, by 84. Oh, uh, it's so good. Hey. Randy eventually becomes quite the uh, star in this and catches the eye of the WWF. And this is when the WWF is really starting to buy out all of the talent throughout all of these things and and do what all kind of corporations do, which is like buy their top talent and kind of corrupt and, and get them to almost close. So like they're really unifying all of these smaller scenes. Like they came in and got Jerry Lawler, Macho mm-hmm. Man, his brother, and then Macho Man brings a manager. A manager. And it's a special kind of manager. Uh, a manager that, you know, we didn't really see at the time in WWF. That's right. We see it almost because he comes in, and it's kind of interesting. He has, like, his debut match yep. where a bunch of managers, because this is the era of the manager. You can't, <laughs> you can't be a wrestler out there without a manager. So they all kind of come out. To Bobby like, the Brain Heenan. You got Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Mr. Hart. Fuji, Johnny Valiant, and classy Freddie Blassie. Well, I, there's some of them that you're just like – Obviously, he's not going to go with those people, but it, it's just kind of funny. And then he introduces Miss Elizabeth, who we've never seen before. She comes out, and it is kind of like a what the hell is going on. Well, a little bit of thing about Miss Elizabeth. He had known her for quite a, an extended period of time up to this point. Chris. They were, um, if not married at this point, like almost married. Yeah. And in a relationship, and he actually got... Um, had tried to sign her as like a commentator, which would have been great. And Vince McMahon at the time was just like, "No, no, no! She's going to be your manager, and we're going to bring her out in a sparkly ass dress." Nah, look at them titties. Yes, and even though he was a heel, because he kind of was like a because he was a savage, he yeah, had he this he had this beautiful woman that was like the. You talking the to Miss Elizabeth? Yes, that was the dynamic, and then it started to get. A little, you know what? It was it was very eighties. It was very eighties Midwest. You know what I'm saying? Eighties <laughs> Midwest is a very good way of putting it. They there was a lot of men who could connect with the way Macho was treating it. I mean, his manager. She wasn't even no. Like a, it wasn't. He wasn't even brought up that he was. Uh, she was his uh, lady friend. No, it was just his manager. It was just his manager and. To, let's go back a little bit to get. Uh, uh, I want to talk about his voice. Yes, because this was in Memphis. I love it. Where I they were talking about how he needed a better gimmick, and he said his brother said, "Well, who do you think is like the best guy to that that does like promos?" And it was like I forget the guy's name because it was a weird ass name, but the guy literally did like a "Oh yeah." That man's back hair had back hair. It, I saw a video. I was just of gonna him. say he was so. I almost said that he was so hairy, and then Mach doesn't do what he was doing. He does like an impersonation. Yeah, and he lets out a "Oh yeah." Oh yeah. And his brother just like looked at him like that was it. And what. I found so interesting, he, his brother just goes, and I never heard his original voice 
ever again. Oh, no. It was that moment where he became Macho Man. And to... Could you imagine is, being his lady at the time, though? But Just this is going, what, like, you know, getting it on from regular to... Oh, oh, what the fuck, fuck was that? But <laughs> this Excuse is, me, Randy? The power is, of Christ compels you! This is what Hogan was saying, was he had never seen somebody live his character more where he was probably super abuses to, to Miss Elizabeth where he would show up locker in the locker yeah. room before and then go and like tell all the wrestlers and Hogan did it so good because he just goes and it's in Mach's voice he just goes who don't be looking at Miss Elizabeth boys like it's he's You're just like a private right. meeting <laughs> all right all right no Hogan. but when you think about it like he had that intensity he's like one of those method actors yes and I think it was because of who his dad was growing up around that, seeing that professionalism as far as your professionalism to your craft, not necessarily as far as behavior, but yes, to the that's craft. what made him yes. so good and so likable or so hated as a wrestler. But like you couldn't deny he, he bought in full force to this character. Well, I feel like because he bought in full force to the, this character, he could just kind of walk into interviews yep. and say almost anything, which we see. Oh, God. He has some of the best interviews across all of wrestling forever yeah it's it's insane to even think about like we're gonna get into some of them but like if they had wrestling oscars he would be the daniel day lewis of wrestlers it yes and sometimes he's like doing it with other wrestlers and they're (laughs) looking at him like what the fuck are you talking about it's so good i can't look away though so he's in the WWE. Miss Elizabeth's his manager. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes and fights. So he goes to WrestleMania. Yes, he does. WrestleMania three. This is kind of his breakout. Um, this is like this is still an iconic match. I mean, granted, he's been climbing the ladder up until this point, but WrestleMania three is where, even though he's heel. Everyone kind of falls in love with him because yes. of how great this match was. Because of WrestleMania three, what was it? Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan headlining, this and then it's, Pontiac Silverdome, mm-hmm. RoboCop providing security at this juncture, and it's and it's uh, Macho Man versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Mm-hmm. Who Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was like a baby face, and Macho Man was a heel. And they interview Ricky um, after his his death, and he said that match. Macho Man, this gets into his OCD. What they would were literally going over it step by step, beat by beat, weeks leading up to it, and they literally had like legal pads filled yep. with just like notes of like I'm going to do this. And, and Ricky said he was just like it was over 150 separate moves, and like you would just you like would call him like, out, beating it, it like beat by beat, and he was just like, and we hit all of them. Move 86. Like, yes, but then that's the thing that because. Best interviews ever. Like, you can't deny his voice is both awesome and hilarious. But on top of that, he's probably one of the greatest wrestlers. That's what everybody was talking about was, like, he almost, like, made what wrestling could be. Because it was very not cheesy, but not, like, fucking beat by beat was always hitting. It was well choreographed. Hulk Hogan even talks about he he would, like, all hours of the night be wanting to work on moves. Call him and, yeah, yeah. And, and talk and ask him, like, well, what are we going to do with this and this? Like, and that's what he didn't want, which I always thought was really 
commendable when you think about it. He was just like, if there's a small lull that can like take everybody out of the mystique of this being like a legit fight. Well, and don't get me wrong, there are times where you can, you know, pepper in like stuff that calls for it, like Im- almost improv in the moment. Because as we yes. said, all these guys are just physical yes anders, you know. Oh man, you know what it is? It's wrestling, but with jazz. With jazz. But you're right because jazz they, cigarettes. But they do improv, but like in the thing, he, they almost have to know when to improv. Exactly, and I think. The second generation wrestler, you just know. Yes. And you just know he was that smart. And while he wasn't, he's a big guy for like society, he's not the biggest wrestler. No. But he's the most athletic of wrestlers. Jumping off that top rope. Oh, Ooh. God. That's when I think of Mach, I think of the elbow getting yep. ready to come down and him just like as high as you can think. Like, oh. Um, so after this iconic match, which really cements him as a legit wrestler, because like you were saying, they had Hogan against Andre the Giant, and everybody feels like the Mach and Ricky Steamboat match like almost was like that was the headlining match looking back on it. Yeah, and people will continue to talk about something that happened in 1987. That's yeah. how amazing that is. I mean, but uh, yeah, I uh, want to get into his costumes. Before All we right. can move on. All right. Now, I loved reading and hearing about this. This is a interesting one because Hogan mm-hmm. uh, gives him almost his stylist. Yes. So Michael he, Braun. Michael Braun. Florida stylist. He made costumes. Uh, basically, how do we make him macho, Chris? How do we make Randy Savage macho? So, and this is the great thing that the stylist, Michael Braun, said. Is he goes, well, I used to make clothes for, like, wrestlers and pimps. <laughs> and when you make clothes for these people, you do it on reference. Yep. And he just came in, and he just goes, I want to be, be as macho as I can. And he just goes, and it started pretty, it started pretty yeah, calm. Yeah, it, it was, like, pretty tame, like, mm, feeling more macho. And then he just goes, and then it became a point where I put writing on everything. Everything had tassels. It <laughs> The neon colors. You could almost see the evolution of it when, yeah. because like when they're talking about it, and you're like, oh yeah, he really, it really almost was like he had like pants yep. and then maybe he would have like a vest and then it almost became sunglasses. like he, he, sunglasses, hat, full suit. And you're just like, oh my God, it, it really became amazing. Miss Elizabeth was my bottom bitch. Yes. And th- I thought that was interesting, too, because she really didn't change from just the sparkly dress. I kind of no. thought he might have. Um, oh, that would have been hilarious if that happened. Vince McMahon even said, because he was just like, and Macho Man was making a lot of money in this time. Every single one of those outfits came out of his pocket. Yeah. That was his thing. We weren't buying these out. This wasn't us. And I think you, I bet you saw this in Hogan. It was just like, oh, yeah, the stylist made so much money off of him. Yep. And you're just like, yeah, I bet he had, I bet he had closets full of this just like tie dot, whatever. No, it, he had it, so many different. It was like neon and like cowboy hats and pants. I mean, it was just, oh. Did you hear the one where he bought a Ferrari and had to return it? Yes. His hats couldn't Could fit the in the trunk. trunk. Oh, God. He's just like, well, I'm, returned I'm it. macho man. <laughs> Macho man, I need I need the trunk space for my hits, Gene. So, eighty seven, he keeps chugging along out of the you know success of the WrestleMania match. Yep. Um, ends up starting some uh, feuds with people called the Honky Tonk Man. So, and 
What a weird ass fuck. What a weird ass time just in everything. Yeah. Because we took the honky tonk man and we were like, oh, yeah, yes. Elvis impersonator. Mm-hmm. Yes. There you go. Um, I saw this thing where he was the first one to actually, because what Randy Savage used to do was he used to put Elizabeth in front of him and be like, you're not going to hit yep. my woman. Um, honky tonk was the first one to shove her to the ground. <laughs> and, he, and honky was just God. like, it wasn't my idea. But man, was it great TV. <laughs> Savage probably told him to do it. He's like, Randy, I don't think that's such a good idea. Push her down, she, asshole. She needs to learn. He needs to. He's almost got that motivational speaker, Matt Foley, like pauses, where he's like, <gasps> Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so he starts it up with the honky tonker, <clears throat> the man. Um, and then 88, 89. Oh, yeah. He wins King of the Ring. Mm-hmm. And um, does he become champ right then? Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. he becomes champ right then. And he's, oh, okay, yes. And he's fighting with the Honky Tonk Man. And uh, I think the Heart Foundation comes out. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and, everybody. and they're jumping them. That's when they used to jump fools. <laughs> and this is interesting because this is when Hogan comes out. And saves them, and they it, join forces. In this era, because they join forces, they actually Hogan was talking about. They actually become actually uh, good friends in this time. Like, like we were saying, he, he gives them a stylist. Him, Hogan, um, the Hogan's wife, and, and Elizabeth. They're all like hanging out outside of this. This is going to come back. That's why oh, I'm, it will come back. That's why I'm bringing it oh, up. Boy, um, and they become kind of like tag team partners called uh, Mega Powers. Mega Powers. <laughs> Like super best friends. I was just gonna say the names of everything back then. It, I love it because nobody was checking anybody. They were just like, "Dude, we're gonna be super best friends." Yeah. Like, All right. Okay. But, go ahead. Okay. It was the eighties, and you know we were. <laughs> we're on everything. It was pre ecstasy. We're on coke. We're on roids. That was the thing with Jake the Snake. He was talking about like people were taking steroids mostly to recover. But people were taking a lot of cocaine. Yes. Like, and he was asked if he thought or if he saw Mach doing it, and he said no. Did he think he was? And he said, yeah, we were all doing it. And you were just like, well, of course. Especially well, if you look at him. every once in a while. So if you look at him later in the, oh, oh my God. God. Well, he's all on right. some other drugs later. He's on so many drugs later. Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania four. He comes back, retains his belt in a 14. They were up for melees back then. That yeah. was the other thing was there was just like a 14-man melee. <laughs> you were just like, Some of them were right. like, all right, everybody, back to the pile. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, though, it's it was such a – and this is why I think just to go back to the Ricky Steamboat match, why it was everything was so choreographed and together. In those melees, you would just look over and two guys would just be like, <laughs> like you're just like all right don't look at those guys yep zoom in there yes other guys yeah it's it was not well choreographed in that time no uh-uh. all right so uh moving on i'm starting a big feud with the mega bucks with ted oh, yeah. biasi and andre the giant um SummerSlam pay-per-view there towards the end of 88 um basically just you know, still kicking ass yes. for Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, there's not a lot of... He's kind of looked at as like this up-and-coming heel, almost. Because no. he, he's not... Because I don't think anybody could have overtaken like Hogan at no, this point. No, nobody's taking over Hogan. But if you said, who's the next most popular wrestler or who's the people's champion? Yeah. It's Macho Man Randy Savage. I would say that because he was like the... Like a lot, a lot of it was like, you're not supposed to like this guy, but you fucking love him. 
You love him for his honesty, Chris. Yep. His his uh, charisma, being interviewed and such. So yeah. Um, now we get into the nineties. Yeah. And uh, things start getting a little weird. Um. So. Miss Liz or whatever, Miss Elizabeth mm-hmm. goes with Hogan yep. as his manager. He this kind of like all happens over like a couple of And it's all overlapping too. Yes. All these different things. I was gonna say there's so many things that kind of overlap. He kind of gets this new woman called uh, Sensational Sherry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> him and Hogan beef because of the Miss Elizabeth thing, and he accidentally eliminates him from the Royal Rumble. Yeah, which um, obviously Mach can't see reason in this. You know what I mean? He's she just doesn't like, have to. He's no, macho. He's macho. He's macho man. <laughs> um, so now he kind of like what was the Mega Powers is kind of like he starts to be in Hogan's shadow of this heel again. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like Hogan takes his girl. Um, him and Miss Elizabeth are actually having a bunch of problems outside of the ring lots of marital issues um so that makes it even weirder yeah um yeah i don't even know where to go from this because it's so crazy well i mean they do end up getting married so they're they're in the midst of like not quite being separated but they are but in the story of the wwe um, sensational Sherry, his new manager, turns on him, and out of the audience. Oh, this was so awesome, dude! Miss Elizabeth oh. comes out and just like gives her one little kick, and you're just like, uh, all right. And she just kind of rolls out of the ring, <laughs> and then they hug, and then like later on, a couple episodes or whatever, he like asks her to marry him, and you're like, oh no, the savage is settling oh, down. No, but um, in reality, but in it reality, is not happening. Yeah, they're literally like on the verge of, of getting divorced. So they, they get married in the show. And then I think like six months later, we'll get more into wrestling, but like she goes up and stays with Hogan. Yeah. And this is what we were talking about because they were like really close friends. And this is like the break in their relationship was Hogan didn't know that she didn't say anything and just kind of dipped out. And then macho showed up God. and caused a huge scene and very huge scene cops called and and this is all at like hogan's house and anything goes in florida chris well he said he he was like you should have called me and told me she was here you should have called me and told me she was here he's like i didn't know brother (laughs) um so it was it was just a bunch of you know bullshit um leading into him Semi-retiring. Yeah, this semi-retiring. Is, this is what and this, was, is, this is a sad part. I was just going to say, this was what was so weird, because his, his personal life kind of was falling apart. And then whatever happened with like Vince McMahon and like the WWE, they said, look, we don't really want you wrestling on TV anymore. Yeah. We want you to be a commentator. But he could a, still wrestle. He had so many reps left in him, because he's, he's oh, yeah. barely 40, if not even 40. And he... I just I didn't know if they felt like his story had run its course. The story or, never not runs its course. But that's what I mean. And but they were saying because you try to bring him on as a commentator, and it was almost like his voice was too grating, and it, yeah. it lost its like mystique because it was the shit when you would hear it for these little interviews. The interviews. Let's Mike, get into the. Let's interviews. get into the interviews. So, uh, which one do you want to do first? Oh, the cream always rises. Cream always rises. So he gets in, he's talking shit to... Mean Gene. Mean, well, I forget what, what wrestler he's talking about. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I, th- I think it was like um, 
the guy he beat for the Intercontinental, uh, Tito Santana. Tito Santana, yeah. And he's just like, because I'm the cream, and he just starts pulling out these little creams. It's like ma- a mad magician, or like your grandpa would do. Like, was, is this behind your ear? It was so, and because he has this whole speech about just like half and half. I don't even know what to tell you, man. He's why, like, and I'm the cream. <laughs> Pulls another one out. Like Coffee Mate should just use that and pay his estate for a commercial right oh now. My like, God. like Coffee Mate rises to the top. Mm, no. Coffee Mate. He just keeps pulling them out. Mm. Yes. I, was, I was telling you last week the John John story before the roast. He just sends me that out of nowhere. Well, I about died. John John is the cream of the crop. That's He's the point. The that was the point. That was because he has. When in the middle of it, you're like, what the, what is he talking about? And then at the end, he kind of like ties it together and you're like, okay. Rises to the top. Okay. My favorite of all time, middle of an interview, he just goes, yeah, whatever, Dingleberry. (laughs) The other wrestler just goes, my name's John Terry, not Dingleberry. That had to have been improv because it was so unbelievably good i don't care that's one of the funniest fucking things it's my favorite it's my favorite that one and there's this one time he's a hundred percent on drugs mean gene always the guy that's interviewing him he just goes well mean gene just goes on and on and you can see because he's just like talking about nothing and he's just like and then the beat just goes on and on (laughs) And Mean Gene just looks at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's the best. Oh He's the God. best interviewer of all time. I've got his number. Interviewee. And it's number two. <laughs> like, what the fuck, Matchman? He's the best. There's so many others that are so good, too. But he doesn't really settle into his commentator role. It just, it just does not work. That doesn't work. It, it doesn't work for someone who's still got matches left in him. Yep. So he decides to come back. This is and this is an interesting one. I was gonna say I didn't. I never knew this story. Um, I remember him on whatever WWE, and I guess he ran out of contract. But yeah. they were expecting him to just resign, which is kind of common for them to just kind of like you know resign. And so literally, it was Monday night, and Vince McMahon goes, "Hey, where's uh, where's Mister?" Match or whatever you know. I don't know what they call each other. Um, I imagine he had some nickname for him. But he was like, oh, he signed for WCW. So it yeah. happened that quick where, like, he was literally on the TV. They were watching yeah. the WCW, and he, like, came out. And, of course, he came out and just started talking shit on Hogan. Of course so. he did because, you know, that's what Macho Man Randy Savage does. Yes. I mean, kind of wish he lived longer to see where Hulk Hogan's life is now because that would oh have been God. hilarious. So. He makes the jump, but a lot of people are making this jump. This yeah. is in, like, 94 when WCW is, like, the dominant. They have Hogan. They have, like... They're really trying to, like, be not only WWF's equal, but, like, exceed them. Yes. You know? Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so he comes in um, and really starts a feud with Hogan right off the bat. Starcade. Yep. Um, he to To lead into this, so he has to, like, have these, like... I deserve to, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, he ends up beating a, a Stone Cold Steve Austin before he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was a, whatever he was before. Steve Anderson or Steve, something. Yeah, some something bullshit. boring. Not not um, even stunning people yet. He was he beat the Butcher. That's what I mean. There were so many guys in this organization. Yeah. Um, 
ends up like going and beating um, Hogan and at the or not or he does beat Hogan. This is the one I wanted to bring up. So okay, in ninety five ninety six. So he's kind of established himself again. Yeah. Um, he stops wearing like he's kind of wearing the colors, but he starts kind of getting more into just like the black and it's, the leather, yeah, yeah, and, like it, black and leather more now. He looks like a biker and at this point, not a pimp. Way, way more on roids. This is yeah. where every time you see him, you're like, holy shit. Um, and they have this thing called World, World War Three, which <laughs> I can't. There's nothing like wrestling to fucking diminish people's feelings. Yeah. I don't no, know what I mean, else to say about that. It's so good. They should have called it Vietnam 2 Electric Boogaloo oh because that sounds more like wrestling than yes, anything else. That would have been perfect. It's a 60-man, three-ring Battle Royale. This is what I mean. It was just Which a, is just like everyone back in the pile. It's just a fucking melee. Nothing is... It's like chaos. They took their jobs, Chris. It's so much chaos that Mach, Mach wins at the end, and Hogan doesn't even see... Like, he's just like, wait, what? Like, he's still like fight... Like, it's chaos. Um, so he wins over, over some controversy, over some bullshit. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and then they bring back which I thought was kind of a bad move, but was wrestling. They bring back Miss Elizabeth. Yep. And that is not a very good thing at this juncture in Mach's life. Well, just in both of their lives. Yeah. Because um, he he starts doing, like, a program with Flair. Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing. is like, in this WCW era, it's like all the wrestlers you know fight all the wrestlers you know. You know what I mean? Um, so she kind of comes back and gets with this uh, wrestler called Lex Luger. Oh, boy. Um, I'm just going to touch on this where she ends up ODing later with him in, in like a hotel room. Yeah. And that's what everybody was saying was just like, ah, she probably never should have came back to like the wrestling life. No, it but, was the worst thing for And she was involved with Flair with all the fake pictures of yes, them together. Like and a it bunch drove of, Mach nuts. Yeah, there was just like a bunch of shit like that where it was just like uh, – Weird stuff that, like, because everybody is so in on their personal lives that they're almost yeah. just kind of like, yeah, we should do this. And you're like, should you? Opiates and alcohol, I think that's a great choice at the same time. Yes. No, it's not. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. But um, uh, Mach finds a new lady here in WCW. That's where I, This is where I'm All headed. All right. Oh, boy. Here we go. And everybody feels like off of Miss Elizabeth coming back and kind of like this roid explosion yeah he gets this because he meets this stripper at a strip club let's just be honest well who else are you gonna meet at a strip club chris not a bouncer i can tell you that (laughs) not a fucking bouncer um i think her real name was like stephanie something but she goes by gorgeous george you remember what jerry called costanza that one time how about gorgeous george over here oh my god so good uh but she comes in as this thing that you kind of know much of having it was just like an eye candy next to him um she says they were partying so fucking hard um ecstasy roids uppers downers she said it was like a lot of pills zabbers dupers a lot of husker do's husker don'ts you know what i'm talking about Um, Basically the Joe Dirt cavalcated drugs, I guess. I was just going to say, because if you watch some of these, because leading up before this, beginning WCW and all of the WWF, 
that's when the interviews were amazing. Yeah. This coming up, this is where you start to be like, oh, this guy's not quite there. Yeah, like and where it, it's silly because it's like, oh, he's playing a character. Yes. And it's like, he called someone a dingleberry. Now it's like, whoa. Because he's... He's 20 years into a drug psychosis into this character and, like, all of that shit where you're just like, oh, this is getting scary. And Gorgeous George talks about this one time, and you can bring it up. They're in red outfits, matching red. So good. Sparkly outfits. And she just goes, we were so high. I can't believe we got words out of our mouths where he's, like, literally on stage being like, I ain't no punk bitch. <laughs> and the, the commentators are like, okay, so we have no idea who he's talking about. But like we you don't... could see them when they walked out. You're like, there is something not quite right. Yes. Yes. So they were completely fucked up on drugs. Um, she ends up breaking up with them, and that was pretty much her career. That's Well, I mean, well, it's, it's not like she has any marketable skills, Chris. I was just going to say that that was kind of what his thing was bringing her in. He was just kind of like, you're not going to be like a Miss Elizabeth where you go on to somebody else. Like, yeah. This is it. Um, so they <laughs> break one up. Chance. Uh, NWO comes in, and he really starts to become the second fiddle again to Hogan. Uh-huh. And you see him... Because he almost becomes too ripped. It's weird. Like when you see him in that Baywatch episode, or yeah. you see him later in Spider Man. In Spider Man. First Spider Man. Yes. Where it's just like. In the late 70s, probably through probably the mid to late 80s, you could say, t- I mean, I don't know if he was taking steroids, but it looked natural. Yes. All that muscle mass looked natural. Now it's just like these are popcorn muscles. This is ridiculous. And it was getting ridiculous, and he was getting almost like too stiff in the ring, and there was like yeah. all kinds of stuff like that. Um, during the NWO era was kind of like the, you could just tell it was like the tail end of his career where some other guys could kind of like keep going. It was like, oh, okay. He, he does like one last tag team with Sid Vicious. But he's, he's pushing 50 now. And he's pushing 50 and he's been in the game for, I mean, as long as anybody. Since baseball ended? Yes. When he was in his early 20s? And they were saying he was the first wrestler to be in a major motion picture in the spider-man that was like the first one because like hogan had all of his stuff and like but that was like the this like oh shit we can actually act in these roles well have you seen any of hulk hogan's thespian endeavors uh, god awful except for suburban commando uh, that made us all realize something i don't know what so it was were, standing they ovation ins- they bad ins- they were insane, which makes them good. You know, when like something comes back around and you're like, all right. It's like watching the Blade trilogy. You're like, this is horrible and fantastic. And I love it. It's like watching anything by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Anything. Fucking The Quest. Sudden Lion- Death. Lionheart. Any of them. I love Lionheart just to. Oh, man. He murdered a mascot. Are we overlooking this? <laughs> anyway, so as Mach's career is kind of, you know, dwindling, in retirement, he's still feuding with Hogan. Still feuding with Hogan. Um, everybody else was saying, too, that he did well with his money. Obviously, the Slim Jim thing. I saw something where when he joined WCW, it didn't even cost him anything because he brought Slim Jim over. So it was like that, that kind of stuff where you're just like, oh, yeah. So he did really well. Um, but still just hated Hogan. He ends up 
releasing. I, I mean, you guys all know one of the greatest rap CDs of all time. I don't even know why, you know. This is like the chronic for wrestlers. And, well, for all of us. I mean, yeah. I mean, ugh. His brother had probably one of the sadder comments. He goes, I, he goes, Mach thought it was going to sell 50 million copies. It almost sold 50,000. You're just like, oh, jeez. How many of those purchases were of camp value oh, variety? You know, like, I'm yeah. going to say, like, at least I own this. Yes. I think one of my friends, uh, he, ha- he owns a, a Bruce Willis album, nice. which is just, oh. That's what I mean. John McClane. You can hop on it. So his, his life is kind of going into a weird spot, and then he finds and reconnects with his um, high school girlfriend. I don't know if you saw this. Basically the chick before Miss Elizabeth. Yes. It's so just somehow reconnects with her and gets married and kind of lives the last years of his life like peacefully. Yes, which I, I thought was so awesome um, because we're going to get into he died. Uh, he had a heart attack while he was driving. Um, oh, man. And pretty much died of a heart attack in his in his injuries with his with his wife there, but like he died before he hit the tree. That's like, yes. I mean, his wife sadly in the car with him had to redirect the car and stop it into a tree because he died. But <laughs> of all the bullshit going through of like just his life and like just kind of like the early retirement that was forced on him and like uh, Miss Elizabeth and all of that kind of stuff, even though he definitely was a not a great uh, partner, if you will. No. Uh-uh. I mean, uh, I'll never defend that. I'm just defending him as a wrestler and a man. And a man. Um, definitely nice to see how his life kind of the last couple of years, you know. But He found some peace at the end, which yes. a lot of these wrestlers do not find at all yes. in their lives. Exactly. Like some of these guys we're talking about probably might not end very well for them. Yes. But we'll see. Um, but, yeah, the match finding some peace there at the end, which is nice. And nice because uh, he was always one of my favorite wrestlers. And, yeah. How could he not be? I know. How could he not be? I mean, Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. 